welcome to the New Mama podcast. I'm Lauren, a new mama to little Logan, and I'm here to share women's stories of pregnancy, birth, and motherhood. Spoiler alert, it's not going to be all sunshine and rainbows. We're talking about the ups and downs of motherhood through raw, vulnerable, no BS conversations, because in reality, you can't have a rainbow without a little rain. This podcast is here to be your friend, the friend I'd wish I'd had in my darkest times to remind me that I was not alone. And it's okay to not be okay. We're in this together and mama, you got this. Hi everyone and welcome to today's episode of the new mama podcast. Here with me today I have Beth Evely. Beth works in early childcare and is currently studying to be a teacher, as well as mama to little four-year-old Oscar and eight-month-old Reggie. Beth lives in Sydney with her husband, Clay, who she moved to Sydney for after meeting whilst traveling in Cambodia. Beth is also an advanced open water diver and is the only Brit I know who doesn't like English breakfast tea. Welcome, Beth. Hello. Thank you. <laughs> How has your day been? Oh, busy, exhausting. It's never ending with uh, two children, but yes, all good. Yeah, I thought one was bad. What's it like with two? <laughs> it has its ups and downs. Some days definitely uh, are more exhausting than others. And I sit there and I'm like, I just need to lay on the couch for five minutes and have some peace and quiet. But other days it all goes to plan. And have a glass of wine. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned in the chat earlier, Reggie's going to osteo tomorrow. How's that going yes. for him? So we started going to osteo maybe four months ago, I'd say, Mm -hmm. um, to do with his reflux. So basically when he was, I guess, around sort of six to eight weeks old, we started sort of having an inkling that perhaps things weren't quite right. He was seemed like he was in a lot of discomfort throughout the day, Mm -hmm. was waking frequently at night. I mean, as newborns do, Um, but we sort of talked to the GP at that eight week needles and I sort of flagged a few concerns that I had after speaking with other mums. And yes, we got diagnosed with reflux. So, or he's been on low sec medication ever since. Mm -hmm. The thing that I found the biggest challenge is the dose is right for a particular weight. So, you know, as a baby, he's constantly putting on weight. So I felt Mm -hmm. like we were always chasing our tails. I could never get on top of it. Every doctor sort of, you know, oh, when they can sit perhaps Hmm. it will, you know, ease or whatever. But I just sort of had had enough and was just like, it's not fun seeing your little one in discomfort after feeding and, you know, just generally unhappy. So I was like, right. And I saw, I think on a Facebook page about um, osteo is good for babies with reflux. So we went there and um, I feel like she did make a, a bit of difference. She sort of, I guess, treats the cause. I changed a few things with his feeding. And yeah, so I think she's helping and we've sort of haven't been for a couple of months now, but I'm just going to go back in and check to see how everything's going yeah for sure and reflux affects their sleep too hey yeah well that was when we like that was the main concern for us he was quite uncomfortable after a feed but Mm. he would just wake frequently like sometimes I'd put him down day or night and he might be asleep like he'd fall asleep in my arms I'd put him in his cot and literally I'd get out of the shower and he'd be crying you know because he's gone from perhaps if he was in my arms he's more upright yeah. And then as soon as he sort of lays down, yeah, the, it sort of is worse, basically. Did you have any reflux or heartburn when you were pregnant with him? No, no. I was riddled with heartburn in the oh last trimester with Logan. And I swear to God, I was like drinking Gaviscon like it was going out of fashion. <laughs> I could not get enough of it. And I can't imagine a little 
a poor little baby having it and not understanding what's going on and just being really uncomfortable but yeah. that sounds great if the osteo is helping yes yeah we've definitely seen an improvement so so let's mm-hmm. go back of what five years now to your firstborn Oscar did you plan on conceiving Oscar when you did yes so we'd got married earlier in 2016 and sort of towards the end of 2016 we were like yep we know we want to have a baby I had my implant on taken out I think in the October like towards the end of October maybe even early November and that's the arm implant isn't it yes yeah the rod yeah and so I'd been on that for a couple of years I think that was my second one that I'd had put in because I think they last three years for well, the ones that I did had and so I had that taken out and one doctor had said oh you know it can take up to a year to basically mm. completely leave your system another doctor had said oh yeah once you've had your first cycle you know you're good to go so I guess mm. we didn't really have too many expectations of when it would happen yeah but yeah so by Christmas um, I'd fallen pregnant well I fell pregnant over Christmas yeah found out in early January 2017 oh I feel like there are so many is he a September baby yes there are so many September babies because everyone has a really good time over Christmas in the year <laughs> drinks too much yeah 100%. oh yeah well that's that's great that so what that took t- two three months to fall yeah, pregnant two months Two, I think I had two cycles and yeah, then the next on the third one, I was pregnant. Yeah, I do feel like, you know, you said you saw one GP and they said one thing and another said another. I think there's so much ambiguity around things like conceiving because it is such a gray area. Like it still baffles me how a man and a woman can create a baby. Like it just does not make sense in my head at all. So I guess you know GPs just have to watch their backs and not make any kind of promises so that's awesome that yeah, exactly. you fell pregnant after three months yeah yeah we were very very lucky and how was your pregnancy um yeah pretty good again I was really lucky I didn't really well I didn't feel any sickness or nausea like or nausea with Oscar at all mm. um I definitely uh, was hungry I <laughs> carb loaded pretty much for nine months and <laughs> did minimal exercise it was certainly an excuse to do nothing yeah which I now looking back I kind of wish I didn't do but the obstetrician did mention to me I think at my 15 week checkup if he'd mentioned to me about diet and exercise and so I sort of took that as a bit of a hint and sort of tried maybe to reduce my carb intake um, on a daily basis but yeah so pretty smooth sailing like no issues all really yeah really straightforward feel like if you're gonna carb load at any point in your life it's gonna be when you're pregnant right like oh exactly I've got an excuse <laughs> and it's probably doing him good as well to do that because I was really sick with Logan and as much as the GP um my GP is amazing and she did say it's not gonna harm the baby and the reason why you're so sick is because he's taking everything from you but I do feel like because I wasn't eating enough varied nutrients and kind of the good stuff that he that's probably the reason why he did have a low birth weight so was was he a, a yeah. good size baby uh yeah Oscar was pretty decent size the uh, the obstetrician never mentioned it to me like in throughout the entire pregnancy yeah. and I think I remember asking him towards the end maybe 38 weeks or something like oh is it quite a big baby and he didn't really say anything and I think when I was actually in labor mm. like at the hospital and he just made like some sweeping statement of, you know, oh, such a big baby. And I'm like, what? Mm. So Oscar was 3.9 kilos when he was born. Yeah. What's that in pounds and ounces? I still. Eight, 
eight pounds something, I think. Oh, that's good. But yeah, so it was bigger than, I think like average is maybe like low threes, is it? I'm not entirely sure, to Mm, be honest. I don't know either. All the percentiles and the charts and all that stuff kind of blows my mind. Yes. Anyway, how was, so how was the birth? Did you want to talk us through Oscar's birth? Um, So I guess that's where my luck did sort of fizzle out a bit. It was hard. It was long and yeah, quite stressful um, in the end. So I went into labour, it was a Monday, um, sort of Monday, mid-morning Monday, and I sort of started feeling a bit uncomfortable, like lower back sort of pain. And I actually um, consulted Dr. Google and um, <laughs> asked Google what like the early signs of labour actually sort of felt like. Mm-hmm. And I, because I just felt like I had period pain. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, clearly I don't have period pain. Like I'm nine months pregnant. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, Dr. Google was like, oh, yeah, that can be contractions. Um, I actually had an obstetrician appointment later on that Monday afternoon anyway. So we went in and saw the obstetrician and he did sort of an internal examination and he was like, oh, yep, wouldn't be surprised to see you later this evening. And I think I was already sort of two centimetres dilated. Mm. So, yeah, went home, um, just chilled out. And I guess by about eight, nine o'clock that evening, I was starting to get a bit more uncomfortable. The pain was getting, yeah, it was increasing. We rang the hospital because that's what they advise you to do and we got the generic oh um just take some Panadol and have a rest and I'm like yep of course like I just I don't know how anyone can take some Panadol and have a rest when you know that your baby is imminent but anyway um I guess I sort of was uncomfortable on the couch for a few more hours and it sort of got to about 11 p.m that night and my husband was just like nah we're going in Mm. like you know you can see that you're getting more uncomfortable we're first-time parents we don't really know what's going on Mm -hmm. So we went up to the hospital and went into the delivery like sort of rooms and stuff and the midwife there checked me over and I was three centimetres dilated by that point Um, and so I could stay at the hospital and, you know, hook me up to all the machines. And anyway, so I guess a couple of hours later it had started to get a bit more painful. I was having gas and air. Like I don't know if you had gas and air with Logan but like I literally felt high as a kite. It was a really (laughs) weird experience. Yeah, people love it or hate it. I kind of, I think they had it really strong for me because I literally, I felt like all the blood just rushed out of my body and I mm. felt like white as a ghost and really like faint. Yeah. So I think they turned turned it down or something and it was a bit better. But I guess by about 1.30, maybe 1am, I stood up and my waters broke mm. and they saw, I just felt like I'd weed my pants basically. <laughs> And the midwife, I vividly remember saying, oh, so once your waters break, pain does get a lot more intense because there's no sort of cushion, I guess, between baby and everything. So, yeah, it and it did get more intense, the pain. And Mm. I was sort of uncomfortable in whatever position I was, like I just couldn't get comfy. So I guess about an hour or so later I asked for the epidural. Yep. So the doctor came in, gave me that. So, yeah, I guess we're around about sort of 3 a.m. And then as soon as that went in, it was a lot calmer. Obviously the pain's completely gone. It was just like this wave of like warmth sort of rushes down your legs and then you just can't feel anything. Wow. So yeah, I'm sat back and relaxed. And obviously like by this time, Clay and I haven't had any sleep, Hmm. Like you know, it's getting to the time where we are getting exhausted. And anyway, so we sort of rested for a few more hours. And by this time, I think we're now on midwife number two. So like obviously their shifts changed. Mm. So we had the second midwife come in mm-hmm. and sort of in the morning, I think I was about six centimetres dilated and it just was take, like, I just remember being like, this is ridiculous. Like it's so slow. Mm. 
I think it was nearly midday before I'd got to 10 centimetres dilated, like, and I'm over it by then. Like, yeah. this is not fun. Anyway, so the obstetrician came in, you know, I'm 10 centimetres dilated. Right, great, let's start pushing. Um, so I pushed a couple of times and every time I pushed, Oscar's heart rate dropped. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it was a major concern at that point. They didn't, like, because as soon as I'd stopped pushing, his heart rate went back to normal, I guess. Mm-hmm. Same thing happened, like, you know, tell, telling you to push. Of course, by this point, I've had, like, I've got the epidural. I can't feel a thing. Mm. I don't know whether I'm pushing down through my bottom or not. Like, mm. anyway, so, yeah, same thing happened. And this time he was just like, right, okay, well, we didn't know the sex, so baby's not going anywhere. We'll prep you for forceps, but we'll prep to do it in theatre so that if they don't work, we can just go straight to an emergency cesarean. Yeah. So got all that prepped and went into and had the like spinal block and was on the table like with the forceps they literally like they're so strange they look like massive salad servers like (laughs) these two big metal things yeah and like I can just I just remember feeling like tugging oh god Um, like but it's not painful it's like really kind of weird but Clay was like there and could obviously see the obstetrician the obstetrician worked up a sweat trying to pull Mm. like the forceps and failed they didn't like Oscar never came out yeah so that was it right time for c-section and yeah within 20 minutes I'd been opened up the drapes were up he was performing the c-section and all you can see is this big sort of theater light above your head so I can kind of see like the reflection of what he's doing but not Mm. really very clearly um anyway so eventually Oscar came out and that was where it did become challenging because he wasn't breathing so he came out and there was just no sound all the movies and tv shows that you've seen and all the stories that you hear about like you know they come out they cry right because it's cold they were in a nice warm snug little environment but no it was just silent and clay like because obviously I can't see anything like I'm on my back looking up at the ceiling clay Mm. just said all of a sudden they went from you know maybe five or six people in the room to like 10 to 15 people in the room and quite rightly so like they were all taking care of Oscar we didn't even know at this point if he was a boy or a girl like we hadn't seen him yeah anything like there was just a rush of people in and um it was actually the anaesthetist like my anaesthetist that um put a tube down Oscar's throat and was like sort of pumping air into his lungs so they think that um, he swallowed meconium on his way out so obviously that's blocked his airways mm-hmm. um, and yeah within I'd say probably five to seven minutes he was out of the room and being taken care of elsewhere. Gosh, so you just had an emergency C-section and you're going through the trauma of that and then he's not breathing and gets whisked away and you yeah. don't even know where he's gone. Yeah. So oh, that's awful. It was quite a traumatic time. I mean, eventually, like, the anaesthetist came over and obviously explained everything to Clay and I and, you know, really, I want all of their attention on Oscar anyway. I can wait for yeah. details yeah, or whatever. Exactly. But, yeah, so eventually we found out he was a boy, yeah, and they explained what had happened and that he had to go to special care with the paediatrician and all the other specialists that were there to help him. So, yeah, we mm. actually named him in the operating theatre without even seeing him. Oh, I kind of feel like whatever name you pick, they, they're just the name. Like it doesn't matter. It's not like you can look at them and go, oh, they look like an Oscar. Yes. It's kind of like they just fit their name. Yeah, I agree. Well, that's the name that we liked, right? We had a girl name and we had a boy name and, you know, he was a boy. So that's the name yeah. that we chose for him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were the same with Logan. It was the only name we had liked from 
very early and we had a few others and when he came out we were like oh is it Logan then and we were like well who are we kidding <laughs> of course it is we yeah. have no other names um so with the forceps did they like was Oscar okay with that because it sounded like it was quite vigorous um so no he had like a massive kind of bruise over one side of his face like covering his eye for the first probably week yeah it was really bruised all of it was gone by two weeks old oh little baba and so he got taken away and then he was in special care did you say yeah yeah so he was there for the first so he was born on a Tuesday and he got discharged from special care on the Friday yeah okay and then did you go home or were you in hospital for a bit longer no so then I stayed I was meant to stay until the Sunday but I stayed an extra they let me stay an extra day because obviously I hadn't really been with Oscar yeah so they let me stay an extra day so I left on the Monday yeah and how was your recovery from your c-section oh it was pretty hard at the time like it's pretty uncomfortable I always remember it was getting in and out of bed that was the most painful because it's sort of like a double movement I guess but yeah like I came home with a wealth of you know endone and all sorts of painkillers but I guess once you're like I felt worse in the hospital but I think once you're in your own home in your own routine well I say routine but with a newborn there isn't really a routine (laughs) in your own like creature comforts right yeah so I feel like I was a lot com- more comfortable once I got home. And I think within about sort of two to three weeks, I was feeling a lot better and a lot more normal and was back to driving mm. in the hospital. I definitely was, you know, feeling worse for myself. Yeah. And do you feel like having gone through the emergency C-section, him being in special care, do you feel like that then had an impact on your breastfeeding journey or? Um, they were pretty good. Like, so every four hours I had to go up to feed him mm. in the special care like but obviously in the first few days I don't have any milk anyway so it's all just like colostrum yeah. and just getting him used to the breast I guess yeah so yeah I pretty much and even in the night like overnight I'd have to just set an alarm and I'd wander up you know every four hours but then in saying that they also then topped him up with formula mm. so then when my milk did come in it was quite hard because he went from you know having a little bit of colostrum and then having a really full belly. Mm. And then when my milk came in, I perhaps didn't have quite the right amount. He wasn't as, you know, he couldn't get what he needed. So then we did have to top him up with formula for a couple of days. Yeah. And I think once we sort of had balanced each other out, then we were very lucky and he took to it quite well. Yeah, that's good. That's great. And so everything was kind of better once you were home and you were feeling more comfortable. Was there anything else that you kind of struggled with with Oscar? Um, to be fair, he was a pretty chilled baby once we got, yeah, once we got used to each other, those first sort of eight to 12 weeks are always a bit of a challenge. I feel like Mm. getting to know each other's cues and he was never a great sleeper at nighttime, like daytime, he would be an angel would (laughs) sleep solidly. Yeah. Um, for hours, but nighttime, yeah, he just would wake, wake frequently compared. Like I say this, but this is comparing to other mums going Mm. like in my mum's group. So, yeah, he was probably closer to one before he ever consistently slept through the night. But didn't you just sleep? Didn't you just nap when he napped? I don't, yeah. And then I'll make dinner when Oscar also makes dinner. Like, I hate that saying. 
<laughs> I know honestly it used to grind my gears my mom actually said to me and I'm like mom are you for real you had three under three you of all people know that is not possible <laughs> yeah agreed and especially going from like I went from eight nine hours of unbroken sleep every night for mm. 20 whatever years it was yeah and then all of a sudden I'm awake getting broken sleep and then awake for periods of time in the night like Mm. it's just exhausting like there's no I don't know any person that hasn't felt the effects of sleep deprivation yeah absolutely it is so difficult I feel like every podcast I've done sleep deprivation is definitely up there with the the most difficult thing that people have struggled with yeah it just affects everything it affects my mood my mental health my you know want to go outside and exercise and exactly yeah everything's affected by it totally so three and a half years later you then had Reggie was he planned yes and no I think when Oscar turned two I sort of said to Clay you know I think I'm ready to have another baby and he wasn't perhaps on the same time frame as I was so we waited a few months and then oh and then it was the start of COVID and we were like okay. oh maybe it's not the right time like we were hearing stories from other friends you know where the partners aren't allowed to come to obstetrician appointments and scans and we were like oh, maybe we'll just leave mm. it a little bit like you know I don't really want that anyway so I had come off contraception I think I'd just been on the pill between Oscar and Reggie and so I'd stopped taking that around Oscar's second second birthday and we sort of got to out of lockdown and we were like oh okay maybe and then sure enough before we'd really had a chance to make a decision I was pregnant again (laughs) yeah and how was the pregnancy the second time around um I felt a bit more sick this time um I did have like I was nauseous for maybe the first 14 weeks yeah um and I think I was only sick a couple of times but I just hate feeling sick I think I'd I don't know maybe I'd prefer to be sick and then have the sickness go away but oh totally um yeah yeah, feeling like feeling constantly sick whilst then having a two and a half year old at the time. Like it's not a fun experience. Yeah. Like you just want to be like, oh, just go away and leave me alone <laughs> to just sit on the couch and do nothing and feel sorry for myself. But I guess Oscar then provided that distraction. Like, you know, I couldn't just do nothing and sit there and think about how sick I felt because, mm. you know, I had to go to work and we often like, you know, we have a routine of doing different activities with Oscar when he's not at daycare and I'm not at work. So I guess it's a blessing in that respect and the fact that, yeah, I couldn't just think about it all day. Yeah. So he kept me busy. Yeah. Um, but other than that, the rest of the pregnancy was, yeah, fairly uncomplicated, no, no issues or anything. And were you carb loading for this one too? Um, not as bad, no. <laughs> um, I actually, <laughs> when Oscar was 18 months old, I joined like a women's boot camp fitness group and I actually yep. continued to go to that um throughout being pregnant with Reggie which I think really helped as well yeah and to be honest I do feel like I know when people say oh you're feeding for two that is a lie like you don't actually need that many more calories I think they say it's an extra 300 calories or something by the time you're in the third trimester but yeah your body is working overtime building a baby like mm. that takes a lot on top of having a toddler as well so for you to actually go to boot camp on top of having Oscar and being pregnant that's amazing yeah well I didn't feel like I remember with Oscar especially the first and the third trimester I felt like I was so fatigued like that level Mm. of exhaustion was just next level like I was I felt like I'd been hit by a ton of bricks whereas with Reggie like I say because I couldn't just 
constantly sit and think about this mm. it did keep me busy and I didn't feel as exhausted yeah um as I did with Oscar mm. yeah it's interesting isn't it because even sometimes if I'm tired and this is like pregnancy aside if I'm tired and I go and do like Pilates or do a workout I somehow feel like I have more energy like it makes you feel better which yeah. is kind of contradictory but I think exercise through pregnancy is definitely something that doc- doctors advocate. Yeah. And it was definitely like, and it was a thing for me, like although Oscar came to block or still does come to boot camp with me, but it's something that I wanted to do for myself. Yeah. Yeah. And did you find out the sex with the second one? No, he was a surprise as well. And how was his birth? Um, so he was a planned cesarean. So throughout the pregnancy, our obstetrician had advised us that obviously it's my choice at the end of the day to some extent, but he basically had given us advice that my chance of delivering vaginally after everything that had happened with Oscar was about 13%. Oh, wow. Um, and I was like, mm, I don't really like those odds. Um, <laughs> so I was like, we sort of waited up and chatted about it and you know, I don't know that I wanted to go down that path of going into labor and doing all of this and then ending up with a cesarean again anyway. Yeah. In my case, why would I bother doing all of that if, you know, I'm going to end up in the same situation? Yeah. It also helped with getting care for Oscar. Like my parents live in the UK. My husband's parents are four hours away. Like I can't just go, oh, spontaneous. I'm in labor. We don't really have anyone that can come around mm. in 20 minutes if we needed it. So yeah. it kind of worked in that way that we could plan that. But it was very surreal knowing his birthday. Yeah. Like it was really weird the lead up to it because I'm a bit of an organized person and it, was, it wasn't scheduled until the afternoon. Mm. And so I just had this dream of, you know, oh, it's great. I'll just go and do, you know, my last day of being a family of three. I'll go and have a nice relaxing <laughs> breakfast. I'll drop Oscar at daycare. It'll be all civilized, but you're not allowed to eat. Oh. So I had to, I think I was allowed my last meal at like 9 p.m. the night before. Mm. And then I was allowed like fluid up until 9 a.m. the morning of, but then we didn't have to go to the hospital until 12.30. Yeah. So I'm just sitting there like going, well, this is ridiculous. All I want to do is just do something, but I just I'm sent Clay and his parents out and I was like, you go and have breakfast. I'll just sit here and, you know, fold baby clothes or something. <laughs> like, I can't, I'm not going to a cafe to sit there and watch you no. eat while I can't. Torture. Yeah. So how was the experience then of having a plan Caesar? Um, it was actually really nice. It was really surreal and very civilized. I felt like we were checking into a hotel, like, you know, <laughs> walk into the midwife department bit and sort of go, I'm here to have my baby. Yeah. So yeah, we sort of checked in and got comfy. They came and did all the paperwork. And then a couple of hours later, sort of get wheeled down and um, the spinal gets put in and it was lovely this time because Clay got to cut the cord. Reggie got presented to us so we could see that like we could tell that he was a boy rather yeah. than someone else telling us. Yeah. And then once like all of his sort of checks and stuff had been done, he was just on my chest for the pretty much the remainder of the time when he was finishing off my C-section. So he yeah. was just there, which, yeah. you know, we never had with Oscar. So it was really lovely, actually. God, it sounds like a completely different experience to the first time. 
yeah so different it's like pole opposites yeah gosh that's that's incredible and how good that you can actually do that and say you want to have a plan c-section and do they just open the last scar how does that work um so what they like obstetrician said because I asked the same question um so he cuts it out so he cuts out the existing scar and then does whatever he needs to do to get Reggie out and then he um like re-stitches back up so I've got rather than Mm. having sort of two scars or I think there was an issue like you could have an issue with scar tissue and stuff so Mm. I think they do it that way so yeah I've just got one like neat little scar that's sort of below like where my underwear would sit yeah it's actually crazy seeing how small the scars are these days like it makes you wonder how a baby even comes out of that yeah and yet, like, however many years ago, they used to cut, like, what, from your belly button down. Like. Yeah, yeah. Thank God times have changed. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, and how was Oscar when you brought Reggie home? Oh, he was very good. I mean, luckily, with the restrictions for COVID, he, Oscar was allowed to come and visit in the hospital. Oh, good. Yeah. So he could meet Reggie. Um, Reggie was born on the Friday and Oscar came and met him on the Saturday afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was a very proud big brother. He had told us explicitly throughout this pregnancy that he would be devastated if it was a baby sister. Um, oh. <laughs> so he was adamant it was a baby boy, not that we had any inkling. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, apparently if it was a baby girl, um, he wouldn't stop crying. That was his argument. Oh, oh that's so funny how they have a preference, isn't yeah. it? He was adamant it was had to be a boy. Like I don't know what we'd have done if it was a girl, but Thankfully, we didn't have to cross that bridge. Did you think that while while he was presented to you, where you're like, oh, thank God, Oscar's not going to yeah. spend the next few weeks crying? Yeah. <laughs> it was a bit of like, oh, what a relief. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm funny. Um, but yeah, Oscar was very good, like, especially with like in the first early days, especially when I was in hospital, I think, you know, it's very worrying for him to then see me sort of not really able to move as much as mm. I could. So, yeah, he was very concerned when he came in, but then he also loved coming in because they had, you know, apple juice and orange juice on tap. So he loved that. Yep. And um, that was the highlight literally to this day. He still remembers that Aww. he got cupcakes <laughs> and apple juice at the hospital. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, he was a very proud big brother. And we, I'd spoken to a few girlfriends before having Reggie and they'd sort of given us advice and tips that when the sibling like the older sibling does meet the new sibling Mm. the new sibling gives them a present so we'd already organized that so Reggie gave Oscar some new toy that he wanted and a book about being a big brother so he was over the moon about that yeah that's a great idea yeah that's such a good idea like it's it's things that you don't really think about because I feel like so much of the attention goes on having the new baby yeah and you really need to make sure that the existing baby or toddler is is also happy. Yeah, exactly. Like, because he'd gone from, you know, three and a half years of pretty much our undivided attention and mm. whatever, you know, needs he had were met fairly quickly. Yeah. But I think that's what I, I think I struggled more than Oscar perhaps did. Just the mum guilt of not being able to do everything that Oscar perhaps wanted or needed at that precise moment because mm. I'd be in the middle of mm-hmm. holding Reggie or feeding him. or So, yeah, the transition and the juggle, I guess, from one to two, I didn't find easy for the first couple of months. Like, it was a challenge. Yeah. And obviously your family's in the UK and Clay's a few hours away. How, how did you cope with that without having any help and with COVID and everything like that? 
Yeah, well, I mean, Clay's mum stayed for the first week, I think it was, after I came out of hospital, mm-hmm. just to keep a little bit of normal routine for Oscar, like taking him to daycare and stuff like that. And then obviously yeah. my family still haven't met Reggie other than via FaceTime. Mm. But I found this community organisation called Three Bridges and they provide support in the home for new mums. So I signed up and a lady came around and met me and, you know, talked about perhaps what I needed, met Oscar, met Reggie, and then matched me with a volunteer. And so this lovely volunteer, she reminded me of like, you know, a grandma, like she was beautiful, so helpful. So she came around every Wednesday afternoon, probably until Reggie was maybe five months old, four or five months old. And it just meant that Oscar had a chance to have some attention on him. Like, so she'd Mm. come and play with Oscar or vice versa. So she'd, if I'd fed Reggie already, she'd perhaps burp Reggie and entertain Reggie while I played with Oscar. So Oscar could have a bit of my undivided attention. Yeah, that's so, I didn't even know that that was a thing. It's like, it's like Tinder for help for your child like that's amazing (laughs) yeah yeah it was great and I'm so glad that a friend recommended it to me because it is just what I needed and I think it is designed more for mums that yeah don't have a great amount of support Mm. and yeah I was I struggled a lot I think I probably cried every day for the first 16 weeks (laughs) yeah uh those hormones though it is really tough and I feel like I'm so grateful to have Matt's mum, dad and sister because they have been a godsend for us having Logan. Like if Matt and I didn't have any family here, it would have been such a struggle. But at least, you know, if I wanted to go and do something or go to the shops, you know, without having to take a newborn, like they could look after him for a few hours. And it meant that they bonded with him, too. And it's really tough when you don't have that family around at all. I totally understand. Yeah. And I think just, you know, when I moved here, it was never really a question of, you know, if I needed to fly home or, if you know, there was an emergency, mm. I knew that I could be home within 28 hours if I really had to be yeah. or vice versa. But I think yeah. COVID's just obviously made it 10 times worse and that they can't come over and meet their grandchildren because, like, there's only me and my sister back, like, my sister's back in England, but Oscar and Reggie are my parents' only grandchildren. Mm. And it breaks my heart to know that, they won't meet Reggie until he's probably 18 months old. Yeah. Yeah. It's really tough. It like, I don't know about you. We FaceTime my parents all the time and my mum's face just kind of drops whenever she sees him doing something a bit different or he's, you know, he's developed or he's got a tooth. She's like, he's, she feels like she's missing all of his milestones and she keeps joking and saying, Oh, he's going to be driving by the time I meet him. And I'm like, that's not funny. (laughs) Yeah, that's my parents say the same thing. My dad's always like, oh, we'll be in high school before we get to see him again. And I'm like, I know, I know it's horrible. Well, we didn't move here on the assumption that there would be a frigging global pandemic. Exactly, right? (laughs) And life goes on like you can, you know, it's awful. And I feel so terrible for all the new parents that are in our situation. Or even if you're not a new parent, just being away from your family and feeling like a prisoner in another country is just awful. But when you will get to see them again and when they finally get to hold them it'll be amazing yeah I feel like we'll cherish that time way more than perhaps we would have if we'd only seen them six months prior like and like you say we spend a lot of time on FaceTime and you know Oscar knows exactly who granny and granddad Mm. are and 
talks about them all the time and has this amazing memory of all the things that we've ever done when we've gone to England. I mean, probably stuff that I've perhaps told him or BA remembers all these random little facts that of things that we've done with granny and granddad. Mm -hmm. So it's lovely like that. He's like, I remember the apple juice and the orange juice that we had with granny and granddad. Yeah. Well, my (laughs) parents have a dog and he always talks about how he throws the ball for Ruby, the dog, and that Ruby does this with the ball. And every time we FaceTime, he also has to say hello to Ruby. Oh, bless. That means you have to get a dog. (laughs) I know. And yet he doesn't like, he said the other day he wants a sausage dog. And? Um, I'd I'd love a dog. I just want to, we don't have a garden, so. Yeah. Gotta wait. Oh, yeah. Having a dog and a baby, it's honestly like having two children. (laughs) Exactly. Get ready for your third. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so I'll end the podcast there with one final question. What's the best thing for you about becoming a new mum? Oh, I mean, really, I could probably say absolutely everything, but it's all the little personality traits and the little quirks that they pick up from either me or Clay and even the little things that I can see that they're learning from us. I mean, mm. Reggie now copies, he says, hiya, exactly the same way that I do. And just seeing them turn into little people, it's just, yeah, I don't think my heart could get any more full. Oh, that's so lovely. And actually, I was thinking about this the other day. I was chatting to my sister-in-law, Brie, and she was laughing, saying, oh, we wonder what Logan's accent is going to be. Obviously, your English and Clay's Australian. Yeah. Did Oscar have a bit of a... Um, he, he definitely has more of an Australian accent, but there's certain words that I say yeah. pasta for example oh. <laughs> um, that he says so he'll say pasta and yogurt yeah. rather than pa- pasta and yogurt yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh that is so oh and the cute. other one I know the other one um instead of just saying like truck he'll say lorry oh I yeah it's a lorry <laughs> yeah it is a lorry and what is this yeah. ute business I was like I what is a ute and he's like utility van or truck or whatever <laughs> Oh, the joys. Um, Well, thank you so much, Beth. It's been so lovely chatting to you. And thank you for sharing both of your birth stories and what you've struggled with and what you've enjoyed the most about becoming a new mum. It's been lovely chatting with you. No worries. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the New Mama podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe to hear future episodes or share with a friend. Otherwise, if you'd like to share your story, send me a DM via Instagram at New Mama Podcast. And remember, it's okay to not be okay. We're in this together and Mama, you got this. <laughs>